I'm gonna read our text today and then you may be seated. We are wrapping our Revelation series today and our text is in Revelation 21. You should see it on the screen. I'll be reading from the ESV this morning. Uh, The Bible says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. You may be seated this morning. Thank you so much, worship team. Oh my goodness, listen, nothing gets me in the Christmas spirit like a good uh, Christmas song, and that is why in my house I've been listening to Christmas music since mid-October, because that's who I am as a person, and if, if you don't jive with that, that's totally fine, all people are welcome in this church. Uh, hey, we are in these last two chapters of Revelation, these last two are officially ahead of us, and I'm not going to lie. I have very, very much enjoyed this book, diving deeper into the text, having great conversations in our small group through it, preaching through it. Uh, It it has just really been a lot of fun, uh, really growing, really stretching, and I think it's just been really good for us to do this together. Now, as we wrap up the series, we are talking about the end, and I don't know what sort of narrative you may have been given, maybe the narrative that you were taught about the end, but let me kind of tongue in cheek, but also not really, uh, tell you the narrative that I was given uh, growing up. This is what I was given, are you ready? Christ returns, we're all raptured into the air with him, plenty of folks like Kirk Cameron are left behind, okay? They suffer all through, you know, all sorts of things, right? Um, And then Jesus like shows up, maybe does a Luke Skywalker impression and obliterates the world or something, you know, like finds that perfect spot. I don't know. And then that happens. And then we're all somewhere else called heaven. As a kid, it was confusing. It was terrifying. It was epic. uh, But it wasn't quite as biblical as as I now know. That's really not what the Bible teaches about the topic. So what I hope to do today is what I have hoped to do every single week of this series. Uh, Inspire some 
hope, some encouragement for you that assures your faith and that no matter what comes your way, it encourages your faith. Because remember, uh, Jesus is the ultimate victor. Jesus wins. Uh, We do not fear tomorrow because tomorrow is already won. Uh, and, And some other reminders as we walk through Revelation is that, yes, while we are prone to wonder in his infinite mercy, we come back and fix our focus on Christ over and over and over. So, this is the beginning of the end, okay? So here we are, and uh, here's the question that we have ahead of us that we will answer today. Uh, the question is this, what does our future actually look like? Like, what does the end of Revelation really mean? Uh, because we have touched on this question here and there, um, But this is our single question today. This is where we're going today. What does the future hold, okay? Well, here is essentially my outline. I will go ahead right now. I will give you my outline right now. Here is the outline for today. Just so you know, we will be in a place, a a literal place. Uh, We will be together with each other, literally, and literally in the presence of God. There's the outline. So now you can scroll Facebook. I don't know. Now you can check out, I guess. There's, there's the end of Revelation for you. Now, here's the thing. The main point of the text that we just read is not this. It is not that we are sucked into heaven, but heaven comes to us. It's not that you and I are rescued out of this broken world, but heaven fully arrives, and this world is completely redeemed. And while we aren't at that point yet, like I talked about last week, we get glimpses of heaven. We get glimpses and experience the miraculous at times, even here in our broken world. We see that, and and that is real. But notice When heaven fully arrives, the Bible says what we just read. It says, all things are made new. All things are made new. So notice, Revelation does not depict you and your family and your family pet from 20 years ago on clouds playing harps. Okay, that's that's not us. I don't know what it is, but I have this image burned in my brain around five years old. I saw Tom and Jerry doing that, and that is what I thought heaven was, okay? That was never taught in Sunday school, but that was where my mind was for so long. But instead, heaven arrives here, and it is real, okay? So uh, now there is a little, I, I, I know there, there are some texts out there, some passages that we read, and we're like, well, hold on, what about something like First Peter? Well, it, doesn't it say it's going to be destroyed by fire? Well, that's not really a destructive, from what I can tell. It's not a destructive fire in nature. It's a refining fire, as God would not, I just don't believe, I don't believe God would bow to the enemy and, and just give earth over. I, I mean, I don't know about you, um, but do you think God would create a beautiful earth all of this creation, and then he would just give it, give it over to the enemy in the end. I, I, I don't think so. Because heaven comes to earth, and all things are made new. 
I, th- I think of it this way. Jesus came where? He came to earth. He didn't go to Mars, no matter what a billionaire wants to do. He didn't go to Mars and say, here's going to be the new place. No, Jesus came to earth to make all things new, redeeming the fallen earth. And that truth simply continues for us today. Uh, maybe this quote will help. Uh, George Eldon Ladd, he says, the Bible always places men and women on a redeemed earth, not in a heavenly realm removed from earthly existence. God will not concede this earth to his enemies, but he will restore, he will redeem, and he will remake it. While God is not predictable, uh, we do see that God is consistent in his love, in, in his mercy, in his redeeming of us. And the Bible re- it teaches this redemption elsewhere. Isaiah 11, I'll, I'll just quote this for you, you won't see it. Uh, but, but listen to these words. Isaiah 11 says this, The wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox, which is just hilarious. <laughs> like, think about that for a second. But this is a world made new, and it's been a truth throughout the canon of Scripture. Now, this isn't just a literal redeemed space, but it's also filled with, with physical redeemed people. Look again at verse 3. Let's go back to verse 3. Uh, you should see it on the slide. Uh, verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them as their God. God gathers the full range of peoples, the world's ethnic diversity in the same way God doesn't destroy the material world. He doesn't destroy his people because various ethnicities are not a problem to be wiped out. But God's creative nature is to be celebrated as his people are ethnically diverse and yet still residing under the banner of Jesus. In this physical and literal heaven are physical and literal people. Now, moving ahead in the text, there's a really, really fascinating passage. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then we're just going to kind of mine it for, 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 for just a few minutes. It is very, very fascinating. We're going to jump ahead to verse 22. So go with me there. Same chapter, chapter 21. Let's go to verse 22. <clears throat> and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. 
they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is classic revelation because we're like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I, there was a buzzword in there, the Lamb's book of life. I've heard that my whole life, right? Let's walk through this just for a moment. Uh, let's, let's look at verse 22, uh, because this is hard for us to think about, but it would be absolutely shocking to people in 96 AD who got this letter and they are reading this. Um, because when this was written, uh, there was no other place to worship God than your local temple. But God, he is the temple, so there's no Sunday morning church or Saturday temple service. God's presence is the temple, and his presence is where? In, in this new heaven, this new earth, in heaven, right? It's, it's where? It's, it's absolutely everywhere. But looking into verse 23, verse 23 is shocking. Since the sun is gone, there's no need for a moon because God's glory is our light. Verse 24 is, is interesting, and it's really, really important to consider because in this new heaven, in this new earth, you and I will also have physical bodies. You can look at 1 Corinthians 15, also details that a little bit, Paul does. And in this physical space, we will also be in the presence of Jesus continually, which is amazing, which is absolutely incredible. But you and I, this is going to be unpopular, so give me a little bit of grace. Let me work through this, okay? You and I will also work. I know, I know, what a bummer to hear about the afterlife. We will have jobs to do in the new heaven, but before you throw stones at me because you thought you were going to enter into eternal rest, I get a job? What are you talking about? Like, this isn't what I, I'm doing this. I, I want a carnival cruise eternity. This isn't what I signed up for. Before we go there, okay, uh, let, me, let me reframe work for a second, okay? Work itself is rooted in the book of Genesis before the fall of mankind, so the question is, what was work and labor like before sin entered our cosmos? Uh, work, from what we can gather in Genesis, work was not hard. Uh, work was actually good and without toil, without sweat for Adam and Eve. Work didn't feel like work. Uh, maybe the best way I can describe it is work was not Monday, but work was maybe Friday, okay? Like, you ever go into the office on a Friday? Not this past Friday, because if you had to work Friday, you were really mad about that. But on a typical Friday, man, it's Friday, I'm ready, you know? Or maybe, maybe it's like uh, the last day of work before vacation. Why are you so productive the day before you go on vacation? I am, okay? So I say this. I say this because, uh, verse 24 Verse 24 is really interesting. It has an interesting phrase. If you have your Bible in front of you, you're taking notes, uh, uh, highlight this. It says, the nations walk. The nations walk, meaning you and I, again, representing our 
ethnic diversities and our cultures, our nations. We will be without sin. We will be renewed and we will walk and we will do, we will do what? In this case, we are referred to as the kings of the earth will bring our glory into it. And this is just what I humbly submit to you, okay? Meaning all cultures are bringing in their trophies, the best aspects of their traditions, their glory into this new reality. This is a literal place with literal people representing their literal cultures and ethnic diversity all coming together and offering up the best things from their nations. You may be sitting here thinking, that's unbelievable. Welcome to heaven. It is unbelievable, isn't it? So uh, years ago, you know, I, I grew up in the church and everything, uh, but I was around 18, 19, 20 when I recognized, okay, either everything I was taught is real and impacts my life and I need to take it more seriously or everything I was taught is a total farce and I can live however I want and do what I want. And so I was like 18, 19, 20, and I, and I was coming to a sincere faith in Christ. Uh, for, for me and my walk, at least, uh, I was I was deconstructing before it was cool. So uh, I, you know, just wanted to know what was what was going on. Um, but I, in my pursuit of truth, I heard a great apologist talking about heaven and how unbelievable it will be. And he took some time to talk about our five senses. For most of us, we have five senses, okay? Uh, maybe the percentages are a little skewed, okay, from what they used to be when you were younger, but we have five senses. And he talked about in this new reality, in this new heaven, this new earth, our senses will be fully redeemed. And so his question was, what if, think of your senses, what if your senses were completely restored? You know, some of us can see better than others. Some have better hearing. Some famous chefs, they can taste things in food that I can't. For me, it's just about getting it into my stomach so I'm not hungry anymore. And for other people, they take their time. And it's a beautiful thing, but that's not me. But what if in this new heaven, our senses are completely restored? Not just that you can taste the umami in the jerk chicken, but what if in this new reality, you can see music? You can, you can see a treble clef. You can see the nuance in pitch and tone. Could you imagine if you could taste colors instead of just seeing them? feel colors instead of just seeing them. Human senses just amplified to a hundred. What if you could actually hear the art on canvas? I'm not saying that this is definitively true of heaven. I'm just saying heaven is an unbelievable, literal place. So we should consider some very unbelievable things will meet us there when we arrive. And just as a, just as a side note, 
if heaven is perfect, I also think your long lost pets will absolutely be there. Okay, I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, I think a lot of you may agree, like, okay, sure, you could say that. Um, okay, let me say something that may make you uncomfortable. I think you'll be able to communicate with him because why not? Um, have you read the Bible? There's some talking animals here and there. Okay, it would only be consistent. All right, uh, I digress. Verse 25, let's get back to the Bible, Pastor. Come on, you're, you had a good Thanksgiving, we can tell. Verse 25, verse 25, there's this phrase that says, uh, no gates will be shut, meaning there's no enemy we have to fear. There's no one we have to resist. That, that in this new heaven, this, this new earth, we don't have to fear an enemy coming in. There's no need to lock the gate when nothing evil is trying to enter. Now you partner this with verse 27. Look at that one. Uh, there's this phrase. It says, nothing unclean will enter, nothing detestable or false either. That sounds unbelievable especially in a city like ours. That just sounds unbelievable. What is that like? Now, I have quoted author and theologian Daryl Johnson a few times in this series. He really helped frame a lot of this for us. Uh, I'm going to read this quote from him. He says this. He says, We will finally live, consciously so, within the circle of the Trinitarian relations of God. We, mere creatures and creation itself, will be drawn into the circle of holy love that has forever existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This has nothing to do with floating clouds and harps. It goes beyond prettier sunsets. But this new heaven will have the constant presence of the Trinity. And maybe, maybe here and now when you worship, maybe here and now when you pray, you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe even this morning as we gather to worship, maybe this morning as you prayed, it was just the, the, the Spirit of God was so real, so, so, so tangible, you could almost reach out. So imagine an unending experience with the Spirit of God, the presence of God, with Jesus. That is unending joy and contentment with our Lord and the rest of creation. It sounds unbelievable, and yet that is what is ahead of us. Now, chapter 22 begins by, by detailing a beautiful and bright river that flows from the throne of God. It cuts through the city, and there we find the tree of life that yields, the Bible says, 12 different kinds of fruit whose leaves will heal the nations. Let's be honest, every nation on this planet has, has some darkness in its past, in its history, and, and, and this isn't the place for a commentary on that. That's just simply saying sinners create sinful systems, right? We have a sinful past, so the things we create would also have a sinful past, right? 
And yet, imagine not just one nation being healed, being restored, being redeemed, but all nations being redeemed and, and restored where there is, there's no more disunity, there's no more hate, there's no more pain. And I know right now it feels really, really difficult. It feels really bad on, on certain days. And then, you know, there's, there's the back and forth. And maybe for some of us, we had the power of the Holy Spirit over Thanksgiving and we didn't say the thing we wanted to say about, you know, this, that, or the other, or this person. Um, praise God for you. But uh, none of that, none of that hostility that I think much of, of, of culture runs on, none of that even exists. What? It's like there is no social media. There is no news, okay? Uh, you, you, it's not just turned off. It doesn't exist. And that sounds unbelievable. And yet that is what I see heaven as. The nations will be healed. And again, yes, it sounds unbelievable. But that's all things made new. That is what that, that means. That is ahead of us in this new heaven. Uh, John goes on to detail the coming of Christ, and, and, and Jesus says this for us. Uh, this is chapter 22, verses 12 and 13. Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon. That already should just get our attention, right? Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. To enter into this new heaven is by Christ and through Christ alone. And, 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 and I mean this, uh, repent of your sin, come to him because he forgives and he frees and he loves. Jesus is the start and Jesus is the finish. Everything changes when we surrender to Jesus. We get to live a redeemed life. We get to live a free life. We get to be empowered. We get to live again. Amen, church? We get to live again, church. Amen? Now, looking ahead, uh, verse 17. Verse 17 is really, really interesting. Let's, let's move forward into this. Again, chapter 22. Uh, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Two things, two things as I, as I wrap up. Uh, the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And what does it say? What does it say? One word, it says, come. And the bride, well, who's the bride? That's us. And the bride, what are we saying? Come. What's going on here? What's, what does that mean? 
Revelation is saying, Jesus is saying, that the Holy Spirit and us, we continually invite those outside of the kingdom of God to pull up a chair. Is this not what we talked about last week? You are invited to the table that God has prepared. The only issue is if you are willing to take a seat. And in this case, we are also inviting others far from God to come have a seat. It's, it's reminiscent of Jesus' words at the end of Revelation chapter 3, where he says, though I stand at the door and knock, if anyone would open, if anyone would open, if anyone would open, I would come in and I would dine with them. So if you're sitting here today and you're wondering, well, I don't, I don't have my life in order. I don't have these things the way I like it. You know, I, I know I've been rejected by religious people. I've been rejected by Christians. I know I've been critiqued by Christians. I've been judged by Christians. Jesus is saying, put that away. I will come dine with you. I will come be with you. I will meet with you. Not a cleaned up version of yourself. Not one where you spend two hours before Jesus arrives cleaning like we all do when company's coming. No, Jesus actually shows up and you weren't ready. And he says, I'm, I'm here. I don't care what it's like on the inside. Can I come in? Can Jesus come in? And so I just want to say this. If, if you have never said yes to Jesus, if you have been maybe coming to church for a while, maybe you're getting your life in order, maybe you're interested in spirituality, maybe you like Jesus, but you don't really love Jesus, or you're kind of in this ambiguous in-between, uh, maybe you have yet to actually pray and surrender your life to Jesus, then this is it, because he knocks and he waits. And it says here in verse 17, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now and saying, come. And then we as the church right now, we have, we, we have prepared this morning, we have worshiped this morning, we've prepared a sermon, we, we've been praying, we've been worshiping, and now this is us saying, you, come. The Holy Spirit is saying, come. The bride, us collected together, is saying, come. Right here, right now, you are invited to the table that God has prepared for you. What will your response be? I want to invite our worship team back up as our last, as our, as our last verse in Revelation, our, our last verse in the Bible. It's so simple, and yet it is, it is so powerful. The last verse simply says, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. And that is the book of Revelation. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Because that is how this ends. Jesus says, I'm the alpha. I'm, I'm, I'm the beginning. This is the start. And I am the end. This rises and falls on Jesus. So I don't know where you are with things of faith today. But could we start with Jesus because it ends with Jesus? I think we've all had all sorts of experiences with church people or people who claim to be Christian 
But even putting those things aside. But what about Jesus? Jesus wins and he invites. And he's inviting you. Will you come? And we as the bride, every Sunday, I hope it's very clear, we invite you to come have a seat because God has prepared something for you as you are. Uh, I want to pray for us and then I'm, I'm going to transition us over into a time of, of communion where we will also uh, worship and I'll, I'll give some directions there. Um, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you. I thank you for uh, these weeks we have spent through Revelation. I thank you for these 12 weeks. No, we, we of course, didn't cover every word, every verse. Um, but God, the message has just been clear and continued to be clear that we don't have to be fearful people. We don't have to be afraid. The reality is, is that Jesus, Jesus, you win and you invite us. And so for the person who, who doesn't know Christ today, for, for, for the person who is far from you today, um, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just, would just knock in a, in a very real way, just knock. That they would know that they are welcome as they are. They are welcome to be seen with you. They're welcome to be with you. They're welcome in this place. God, for those of us who say, I, I, I follow Christ, this, this, is, this is my identity, this is who I follow, this is my faith. Um, God, I pray an encouragement today. Um, there are many things vying for our attention. As it happened to John multiple times throughout Revelation, and, and, and even he was corrected by angels. God, uh, send angels to correct us, honestly. I know I get my eyes off of Christ at times and on things that just don't matter. Things that maybe feel important, but they don't matter uh, in the grand scheme of things. And so, Father, correct our vision and, and fix our focus back on our Savior. Uh, just um, I pray for a fresh wind of, of, of your spirit to be felt, to be known, to, to be seen. I just pray for that encouragement, that, that hope uh, to, to, to be instilled in us once more. Maybe it's, it's died down over the years. Maybe we've gone through some things. Um, but Lord, reignite these things in us. I pray we wouldn't run from those things. I pray we would, we would seriously consider and work through those things. Um, but God, that, that you would redeem and restore as you, as, as you do, you would redeem and restore our stories, our hurts and wounds, so that we could, we could give this gospel to others. Maybe we need to go into a season of healing. Maybe we need to go into a season of, of uh, reflection, a season of help. God, I pray for humility to receive that help, but courage to ask for it. I pray your spirit would lead us and guide us in the ways that we should go. Thank you for your love. 
as has been so evident as, as we've read over and over and over. We thank you so much in Jesus' name, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.